Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Editing. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Edge City Bank. We're really good at protecting money and stuff at Edge City Bank. (laughs) Did you do that little edit at the beginning? Yeah. (laughs) That was was really good. It felt... (laughs) Appropriate for Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it's perfect. It's a little hammy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the show, uh, to the Pestle, where we like to, I don't know, as filmmakers, look at films and try to diagnose them in some ways and see what's working, what doesn't, maybe what we can learn about the filmmaking process, why someone would choose to do a certain thing a certain way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how mm-hmm. much of that we're going to find mm-hmm. in oh, today's yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Dumb and Dumber, which would be unusual or dumber there are spoilers ahead so go watch it if you don't already know every single catchphrase that takes place um it'll probably still be a few good surprises in there because people kind of latch on to the same four or five little punchlines out of this and there are just dozens and dozens of little throwaway comments that work so well uh my name's todd i am just a a simple enjoyer of uh of film um i do dabble in production and some editing and stuff but um i'm usually pretty able to shut off my brain easily when i get into a theater uh especially watching a movie like this uh and my counterpart over here wesley is the the pro that we like to bounce off uh uh, why do they use this lens and what the heck is shutter speed and (laughs) you know a bounce i you know all these things that um, uh, all of you real film filmmakers probably can attest to. Absolutely. And those are the things that kind of drive me just understanding more about whenever I finally get that chance to sit behind for, you know, a 90 minute feature, like what should I be doing and why? I think too many people pay too much attention to making something look quote unquote cinematic. And they forget Mm -hmm. that what is actually cinematic is telling a story that, you know what? That's, Really interesting that you say that because I've been thinking a lot about that after watching the Oscars last night, hmm. uh, and I I agreed with some of them, uh, some of the awards, and totally not with a few. I think we're probably on the same page. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably the big ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I found it I find it interesting that you know if I put a camera in my hands and I go around and I'm trying to you know I'll do, I'll I just did a video for my mother-in-law. We did a uh, like a little a little piece on on a, a piece of art that she's making, and I you know I did all these beautiful shots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I didn't I didn't know what it was gonna be when I was shooting it. I was just like, get this, get that, get that, whatever. But in watching all these films, I'm sitting there thinking they're not doing any of the types of shots that I did. Like the shots that I did were very like you know shallow depth of field and and like you know using focus a lot you Mm -hmm. know and 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 stuff and you know when you watch a film because it's more about the story it's less a it seems like it's it's more distracting if you shoot like that it's it's more distracting if you shoot with with in a lot of cases with a shallow depth of field because you don't get a, you know, when you're, when you're in the real world, you don't really have that. Yeah. You have like this, you know, you have 180 degrees of vision and, and you see everything and, and yes, you might, I might be focused on looking at you, but I can still see everything around you pretty clearly. 
And so, yeah, so I was sitting there thinking, watching these Oscars, like, how would I shoot a movie to tell a story? Like, what would that look like? It would, probably would look way too cinematic uh, in a lot of ways and totally lose the story, you know. But you see these guys, that these, you know, these big producers or these big directors are, are cinematographers and they're like, who shot my bound that we just did? Uh, oh, Rachel Morrison. Rachel, yeah. I mean. Yeah beautiful and you're talking like you know landscapes and like we're seeing the sunset and the trees and the grass like it's really deep and just beautifully shot in a completely opposite way that i had shot this little video that i did Uh, anyway no it's a huge difference because that's the stuff you're talking about uh is what leads to good films whereas the stuff that we tend to do, especially as new filmmakers, is to latch on to these things that look really cool. And that's kind of what we attribute to something being cinematic. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is it leads to the overuse of certain little tropes or certain types of shots or aesthetics. And you stop forgetting to apply story to your filmmaking. And so what ends up happening? Oh, we start, we start to have nothing but these aerial shots. You know, for an establishing, or we start to use the same landmarks to establish a city, um, and you just start rehearsing too much, and everything feels cliche at a certain yeah. point. You get you get numb to yeah. a certain style, I guess, and yeah. it loses its impact for when right. the moment becomes right. And so, what really moves the story and makes it feel cinematic are the really simple things: good, first, a good story, good acting. And if you don't have those two, it doesn't matter anything else you do. Yeah. It has to be a story worth telling and it has to be performed, you know, articulately and beautifully and, and to the characters and to the story. Yeah. And everything is that you do cinematically supports that. And that begins to, to feed into it because you could make the case that, oh, coverage is what cin- makes something cinematic, you know, being able to cut to a close up when there's an emotional moment. But that would negate how incredible a wonder is yeah because there's no coverage in in one sense because it's all one uncut take but in a really good wonder you actually do have coverage you can start in the wide and then push into a close-up that lands right when a guy gives his line and then he scoots off to reveal something behind him that's a wide shot like you can do all kinds of incredible coverage setups with a one take Interesting. But it all winds up into, well, what story are you trying to tell? Yeah. Um, because I've seen some, go watch some early uh, Coen Brothers films. Those guys do a lot of wide shots and a lot of deep, depth of field stuff. And don't tell me, you know, Fargo or yeah. or Raising Arizona isn't a yeah. great cinematic movie and an experience. Yeah. Because they are. And, and, well, and that, I mean, something like that comes down to their location. I mean, it's just beautiful, you know, uh, uh, snowy landscape, right? Some of it. But even you get into these important moments and what they're doing is giving a lot of space for their actors because they're more interested in the geography of the room, maybe. Or yeah. I haven't done a lot of studying of Coen Brothers films, but I mean, they really allow for, for space. And then I think Deacon started shooting their films 
maybe in the second half of their their filmography and you can see some aesthetics begin to change and sculpt they're sculpting way more with light than they used to be mm. uh, especially you watch something like true grit and it's just lit oh man incredibly yeah even though you're shooting a western in the middle of nowhere it's yeah. gorgeous and yeah. so it's it's really incredible you know if you just start at that very simple point of let me let me tell a good story first and build around that so with that with that said, today we'll be talking about Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a horrible lead-in, yeah. right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> We're about to trash why they don't do any of that. Yeah, right. We're about to say, okay, so this is how to make something beautiful or how to tell a wonderful story. Now we're going to talk about Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, Which, the, you know, it's worthy. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story, um, or at least an adequate story adequate that gives space. Is. But we'll get into that. We'll talk about cinematography in a comedy such as this, uh, why this movie works, and it has much less to do with cinematography. I'm, and, I'm curious to see what you think. <laughs> your answer there. And I may or may not go on a rant about dating at some point. I don't know. We'll see. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Hopefully, I'm trying to make an epic rant. I had this whole thing lined up earlier today. I wrote none of it down, and now it's just probably going to be me and dating sucks. Well, now know. that you're, <laughs> now that you've warned us, it might, it might like in my head, it's this epic yeah. fifteen minute thing where I can't get a word in edgewise, yeah. and, and every time no, I try Todd, to, you try to interrupt, you, you smack this my. This is our hand. time now. <laughs> you like unplug my microphone. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's give a synopsis of the film again. If you haven't seen it, that's a little strange. Uh, go watch it and then uh, come listen to to the episode. Uh, the cross country adventures of two good hearted but incredibly stupid friends. The shortest synopsis ever. That's perfect. Directed by the Fairley Brothers, written by the Fairley Brothers and Bennett Yellen, uh, starring Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas, Jeff Daniels as Harry Dunn, uh, Lauren Holly as Mary, and Mike Starr as Joe Mentolino. It's worse, Lloyd. My parakeet, Petey. Yeah. He's dead. Oh. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Oh! That's it. I've had it with this dump! We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Okay, just calm down. What the hell are we doing here, Harry? We gotta get out of this town. Yeah, and go where? Where are we gonna go? I'll tell you where. Someplace warm. A place where the beer flows like wine. Where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm talking about a little place called Aspen. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what you're up to, mister. Yeah, you just want to go to Aspen and find that girl who lost her briefcase, and you need me to drive you there, right? Am I right? Yeah, Am I so? right? Am yeah. I right, Lloyd? So? So I want to go someplace where we know somebody who can plug us into the social pipeline. No, 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 Lloyd! No, I say we stay here, we hunt for jobs, and we keep saving our money for the worm store. I don't know about you, but I am getting sick and tired of, of running from creditors. You know what I'm sick and tired of, Harry? I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life. 
sick and tired of being a nobody. But most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. Okay, Lloyd. As bad it is. I love that scene so much because I think it's the only moment in the whole film where you have a truly tender moment. Yeah. And I mean, in in this case, it's really important because they're selling you on the need to have this road trip. Mm -hmm. And this movie is a road trip film. In fact, in the titles, uh, the title sequence is already establishing them in their cars. They're driving. Yeah. And so right from the get go, they're establishing this is a this is a road movie that takes place, you know, driving around a bunch of places. Yeah. Um, And that moment is so good and it's so honest (laughs) that it does. It sinks me in. I'm like, I could make a movie about that. Yeah, that one little little thing. (laughs) Just about how broken he is and how lonely he feels. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, is it like, is he acting to get what he wants? That's, I don't think so. He has this full on breakdown uh, with him right here, right afterwards. Yeah, but. enough <laughs> okay that's enough <laughs> i love that and also love that we're laughing at his tears like you get the awkwardness <laughs> because as someone trying to comfort someone at a certain point you're like okay at what point do we yeah, get right. to end yeah, like, you know comforting <laughs> for something this kind of trivial so so why is <laughs> okay two two questions one why is every line quotable from this movie Ever, like every single line is quotable in this film. Any you could pick any anywhere. Any, is that video? Is that the whole movie that you have in front of you? No, but I just do have, have it. Although it's not good quality. Wherever you, no, it doesn't have to be. But like wherever you just start it from any point. Okay. And from whatever point, I want to see what the what the line would be. Hey, gentlemen, this is a five hundred dollar plate dinner. Good night. Oh. Oh, 500. Oh, okay. All right, no problem. Here, put us down for uh, put us down for four in case we want seconds. <laughs> See, and the spritz is perfect because he misses his mouth. I'm telling you, every single every single bit of this movie is quotable. Why? That's a really good point. I don't know. I think a couple of things. I think for one, they wrote it like a sitcom. Okay. People are kind of constantly announcing the way they feel and the way they what they see. Um, and it's written for very immediate punchlines. There's very little callbacks. Um, right. On, in more sophisticated comedies, right, you have a joke that sometimes is set up in the first act that doesn't pay off until halfway through the second act. And so you kind of have all those. There are really no callbacks throughout this entire film. You could make the case maybe one or two, but I don't think those are used for effective comedic punch. Like whenever the bird dies at the beginning, you have finally – you have a bit of a callback towards the end where she's watching them on the news, a current affair. Oh yeah. Right. Like that's great. Yeah. So that was one that kind of worked. Uh, then you also have that same joke is supposed to pay off when they get to Aspen and they kill the owl. Oh, right. And the, uh, the hitmen are like, 
whoa, these guys are really good. And it's not really funny. It's, it's, it's trying to string out how can we make these villains relevant still. And so it felt like just a way to insert our bad guys to let you know, Hey, they're still around. Yeah. Um, which the chick kind of disappears. (laughs) (laughs) She's not there at the end. That's kind of random. And, uh, she was just really there for exposition throughout the film. You want to know one joke in this movie that I didn't get right away that I had to watch like (laughs) three times before I was like, Oh, wait a minute. What? Uh, when he's looking at the briefcase for the name, Oh, same. I was and too he, young. He said her name. Swanson. Swanson. Samsonite. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's probably the, that's probably the deepest joke in the entire <laughs> film. <laughs> because you might not get it at first because you didn't catch her name, her actual name earlier in the film or something. No, that's true. Um, like her last and name. And you may not recognize that Samsonite is a type of luggage. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Which I didn't for a long time until someone said it and I was like, oh. I thought, yeah. you know, yeah. I thought maybe that really wasn't her name. <laughs> yeah. I didn't give it yeah, much yeah, thought. Yeah, me too. There's just so many things to think about in this film or <laughs> notice. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't one of them. That was not one of them, no. But, yeah, I think it's because they write it like a sitcom. Okay, yeah. And sitcoms are designed to be very immediate. The punchlines come fast. You could easily lay a laugh track on this and it worked pretty, you know, yeah, well. Right. right. Um, because we're never out in the cold in terms of what's happening and yeah. uh, the humor. I think that's the best I really got on yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah. a really good answer. Yeah, yeah. And then, so so there's that. But then the other question that is kind of a, a second half to this is, it, I guess it's in it's in the rundown, is not just why does this movie work, but like, like why is it timeless? It's timeless. Yeah. It will never get old, uh, which is one of the reasons why you can't make a sequel to it. You're right. Yeah, right? yeah. They had everything lined up just right because having not watched this recently, in my mind, I was thinking, man, the writing was just really, really, really good on this. And Fairly Brothers got away from that in later films. And I, after rewatching this, and I'm like, no, you know what? It still has all the crappy trademark Fairly Brothers humor, you know, stuff like the laxative scene that's just over right. the top. Yeah. The tongue stuck to the uh, the ice scene on the uh, the ramps or whatever you call those things. Um, the gondola. Yeah, the gondola, the ski lift. And then, I only know because my daughter loves that <laughs> word. <laughs> she loves that word. <laughs> and the, uh, the beer bottle scene where they're peeing in the bottles. Yeah. Like, those are all very classic, silly, over the top Fairly Brothers humor. But... What really makes this film tick is Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could replace Jeff Daniels and still get a really good movie and hilarious. I do. And I didn't used to believe that, but I do now. I think he's the right choice and he's probably the best of all the choices. But I think the movie still works really well if you have anybody else there yeah but the reason why he works so well is because he's a straight man um he's still stupid in this film but he still plays a really high straight man vibe what do you mean so in comedy you usually have this kind of abbott and costello setup where you have one guy who's just over the top ridiculous and then you have the other guy who's just trying to pull this guy on track yeah like no no who's on first you know i'm trying to get trying to get an answer here yeah um and in this case, Jeff Daniels, even though he's got some really funny parts, he's still the straight man. He's still like teaching him how to read. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and he's telling him, you're drawing, you drive a sixth of the way across the country in the wrong direction, you know? Yeah. Whereas Jim Carrey, right? 
you cannot put anybody else in his place in this film yeah. and have it still be good right. and watchable. And definitely without both of those guys, this is a garbage movie. Unwatchable. Yeah. But Jim Carrey, he just brings so much magic to it, and it comes out of his study of understanding his body and the physical nature of comedy. I can... I've heard him talk about I, w- I would watch myself for hours in the mirror studying these faces and he understands how his face is going to work and how the camera is going to see it and why that's just going to add that extra little bit of oddity that gets you yeah. that nobody else really puts in that much time into their silly faces and yeah. like whenever he's pouring the laxative right he has a section where it looks like he's rubbing his tongue across his teeth but it's under his lips. And it's oh, such yeah. this weird little <laughs> element <laughs> that it it adds just that extra little bit of punch. Um, yeah, there's that's the only okay. reason this movie works. I think is the brilliance of Jim Carrey. And there were some, a lot of ad libs in the in the film. I believe that. I know absolutely none of them. But watching, I'll let, I'm sure you have some really good ones. But one that stuck out to me, and it wasn't an ad lib so much as just these just this little funny moment that. Because you have two incredibly professional actors, they didn't let it stop them. I know uh, which one you're going to talk about, and that's the one I was going to bring up. I doubt it. it. I say doubt it. it. Okay. Because this is where they're in the, uh, the their tuxedos, their orange and blue tuxedos, and Harry okay. is just finished speaking with Mary. Okay. And he's walking back to Jim Carrey, to uh, Harry, oh, okay, yeah. uh, Lloyd Christmas. And as he's talking, like... Jim Carrey, I'm just going to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> just say their name. Uh, he's like, how'd it go, buddy? And he's like, it didn't go well. And then he slips. Like there's a sl- slight slip and you could kind of see Jim Carrey react to it. Like, oh, I'm still in it though. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, and? <laughs> and they just play it off so smooth. Oh, awesome. It just keeps going. But it felt wrong. Like it shouldn't be there. But because they played it so well it feels just it's just funny it's just, because it's, it didn't stop them it didn't stop it was like a perfect they played right thing. into it it felt like this felt is real yeah when in reality i bet he just probably slipped on his on the cuffs of his pants because like, <laughs> they're so long yeah <laughs> i don't know I that's a guess i, I know, have no idea dude you're probably right because <laughs> i i heard that there were a lot of them the best one in particular is when they're they're in the the, the shag mobile whatever mm-hmm. it is and they're driving with the um, the hitman. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know his name. Whatever. They're driving with the hitman in in between them, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Jim Carrey says, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah. <laughs> and you can see, if you watch it, watch it again, because you see Jeff Daniels kind of like, crumple his like furrow his brow and look over and and jim carrey makes the noise and jeff bursts out laughing and then they cut away it's just like a second that you see him react and then they cut away but it 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 was that was an ad lib where he just like did it but they said that they were all over the set yeah and i completely believe that there's just so many moments that are too perfect and amazing um, oh, the landing on the moon. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. But then you also have this moment going back to that scene you were just talking about, because right into that, the hitman says, "Guys, 
what about the radio? And they turn it into the, the Mockingbird song, of course. Yeah. And it's everything in our power to not like start going <laughs> start doing these. it. Oh, man. But everybody have, listening is doing yeah, it right now for us. Yeah. <laughs> See? And, <laughs> they have Jim Carrey, right? He starts singing. And whenever he does the bird, he gets right like an inch from the guy's face. Yeah. And that's Jim Carrey understanding the framing and composition and how this is going to work in the edit. But Jeff Daniels tries to replicate it and he didn't like he gets barely into frame. We can kind of see his lips at the edge of the frame. He's trying to lean in, but he doesn't, he doesn't execute it. Yeah. Comedy isn't his thing, which is why Jeff Daniels is so perfect for this yeah. um, because he wasn't necessarily worried about being funny. He was reacting to the moment every time. And that's what a great actor should do no matter what kind of movie you're in. But it also, works here because funniest stuff is when the characters don't know it's funny right they're not indicating that they're yeah, in on the right, joke right and these guys are stupid and it becomes less funny if they know that they're stupid right yeah so agreed i think that's those are a lot of the reasons why this really does work as an incredible film okay despite itself so what about the cinematography so you want to talk about yeah. <laughs> so there's a few things i think right off the bat the opening scene kind of gave me a few things that uh, i thought was interesting from a principal standpoint because you have this kind of fade in from black and you start on this sign like a street sign and it not dollies down but pans down booms down as they would say um to reveal the woman on the corner the beautiful woman that limo pulls up and you get all this in a one shot. And here, it really does not look like they had any lighting done to the set. They were just going with natural daylight. And sometimes you got to do that if you have this really wide shot where you can see way off into the distance. Because if you start lighting things... Yeah, all of a sudden it changes. It changes and you can see where the frame is on the silk that you had set up. But then we cut into coverage and you can see now they are shaping the light more. And the principle there is... The wide shots, you kind of do that way. Sometimes it's just whatever the natural lighting is. If you can shoot in some some fill or you know just key in from afar, you'll do that. But the closer you get in coverage from the mediums to the close-ups, the, the softer the light gets. And so maybe the astute out there will notice that, wow, those shadows aren't as hard as we're in this close-up as they used to be. Um, but it's usually something you don't notice because they're trying to – keep it relatively similar and keep it motivated. Like, yeah, they're next to a building, so there wouldn't be that much coming uh, light coming into their face on the building side. But that's just kind of the principle is the closer you're into coverage you get, the softer the light gets on people's faces. But also I talked about the, uh, the opening sequence, the title sequence being that we're setting the tone. This is a road trip movie. Yeah. Let's show them on the road. Mm -hmm. But also just the general comedy cinematography Super easy. It's why, as a first film, it's hard to go wrong with a comedy. Because if you, can, you have a good script. If you have a good script. Yeah. Because it's so easy to shoot. Really, you just want a brighter image, right? Everything's yeah, very right, bright. Right. You can see everything, which is important because in a comedy, you want to see people's faces and see them react to each other. It's just not a very moody thing that you're going for. So just throw on a bunch of light. Watch The League. If you've never watched The League from FX, go watch that. The lighting is absolutely hilariously bad in this TV show. Really? 
It's so bad. It's lit like it's coming directly from the camera. It's really <laughs> hot and it's just shadows going all over the place. But you don't care because the the, the comedy's so good. The characters are so good. It's super easy. Do a comedy. Yeah, you, can get, you can get away with it. Get away with it all. Well, you know, like it, it's – and I'll bet, I'll bet, you know, we have some com- comedian friends who, who – yeah, maybe they agree, maybe they wouldn't. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, a lot of them say that you go to see a comedy show – you go ready to laugh, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a primed, a primed audience ready and waiting. All you have to do is kind of be a little bit funny, and you're going to get a reaction. And you get a reaction from a few. It makes a reaction from more and more and more. So, um, but like something like a horror film, totally different. I mean, you got to set the tone the entire time. You have to set up the moments that are really going to get a reaction. And it's funny because talking about the audience expectation is such a huge thing because people go to a comedy and they're hoping to laugh. Yes. But if you go to a a thriller or a mystery or a horror film, I just want to get through it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, and I think probably a lot of people, it's almost like a dare. You're daring the movie make me afraid. I dare you. Yeah. And so you're, you're having to overcome audience expectations, a mystery. Yeah. I, I dare you to make me not figure this out. And that's, that's a really hard thing to overcome as a filmmaker because comedies, you get so much grace from your audience. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you screw it up, then I mean, yeah, it's going to go left really quick. But that being said, there's a lot more on the, the script and the acting. Or the story and the acting, I think, mm-hmm. in in a comedy. Yeah, than, than it's hard. It's hard to get a genuine laugh when people aren't expecting it. You can do the the two and a half men kind of stuff where it's just it's simple, it's to the point, and that's where Dumb and Dumber would have been without a Jim, without Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Just can't do it. So you have a bright image here. They also have a really deep depth of field. You can see everything really well. You're not going to screw up the focus probably. Yeah. And it helps because they also have a lot of wide angles. And that helps give the actor space to move about the, the frame. And now you can see everything that's happening really well. Uh, because physical comedy demands a really good view of what's happening. You know, if, if someone is yeah. punching someone in the face and you can't see it, then it's not going to be funny. It's probably going to be scary. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Because you just hear this thud and it's like the sickening crunch. <laughs> yeah. You want, you know, more comedic noises and you want a good uh, response from the person who gets punched. Like, oh, you, you know, you punched me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it plays completely yeah. differently. So For wide sure. angles play really well in comedy. Um, the other thing I noticed about this and it was probably the least amount of work they did in terms of defining the cinematography was a lot of the film. So in general, cinematography terms for movies, you keep your characters moving left to right because it's progression. So maybe not on the scene to scene basis, but especially in a road movie, you want your characters moving from left to right because they're going towards their goal. They're trying to accomplish something. Um, and in this case, they have they have a moving right to left, and it's just counterintuitive because these guys are idiots, and it's it's super light, but it's it gives an extra sense of wrongness because we read left to right, we constantly do everything on a left to right, top to bottom basis, and here you have everybody moving from right to left, or these characters specifically moving right to left until until 
they backtrack. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, crap, we're going the wrong way. Dude. And it's after and they literally set it up with the sign whenever he's, you know, screwing with uh, Harry as he's about to screw everything up. Uh, the sign has a very literal go left for Aspen and go right for wherever, like Nebraska. Yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska. And they go right. So now they're suddenly traveling left to right. And dude, I, is that normal for it is. And in this case, right? you can still make the case that they're traveling right to left because they're coming from the East Coast to the West to the center of America, which is fine. That works. Doesn't mean they necessarily had to set the movie in Rhode Island. There's no yeah. other reason to be in Rhode Island. Yeah. Like I, I can't. Yeah. The, it pays no meaning to the story. Like, yeah, you don't spend any time in Rhode Island. So I think it's really just a physical setup to get them going from right to left because, yeah, it is very common to think in terms of cinematic language. We're going to move from left to right in order to progress. In in other other, um, road trip movies, they always go left to right? I don't know. I assume. I mean, I haven't really studied any road trip movies. It's not something I think I've really watched too much. I think you might be right. But I feel like it's a pretty common thing that – you keep your characters looking from left to right even in order to establish who's looking forward, who's looking back. Uh, it's I a very even, normal part of the cinematic language. Yeah, I mean like even like National Lampoon. Um, oh, National you, Vacation? Yeah. <laughs> they go left to right. Yeah, I like mean. You, you know, like when he's looking at the woman, when she drives up next to him, like they're going, really? they're going to the right. You've seen that way more than I have. I can't draw on it I'm, quite as well, but that – and I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm going to go back and look at some some road trip films and see if that's true. See how well they adhere to it. Yeah, that's because they still even in this movie to get coverage, they're doing a lot of shot reverse shots. So you'll see them uh, reversing the angle, which can still play into kind of the confusion of their idiocy, uh, because whether you're looking from the driver's perspective, which is going from right to left, or if you reverse shot to the passenger perspective. Then that now we're going from left to right, but that's part of getting coverage. And in their case, it also, as in the edit, it kind of looks like they're just standing still. Yeah. <laughs> like if you think about it in terms of overlaying them, they're not going anywhere. And so I think it also adds a little bit to their characters and their their stagnation <laughs> in life. <laughs> wow. They're moving, but they're not going anywhere. Interesting. And so, yeah, but then once they finally start going back the direction they're supposed to be going, they finally get back on track going from right to left. Brilliant, man. (laughs) It's so silly and perfect. (laughs) One of those little pieces of humor. Any other cinematography notes that you had? No. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's simple. That's, that's a lot, but it's effective. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, that probably would made, that probably was like like more eye opening than other other cinematography notes that you've given me about other films because really? it's so broad. And well, yeah, and you know we're talking about it's a general principle. Yeah, we're talking about general principles of of a, a genre of film, mm-hmm. and when you talk about that, like just you know like overarching style, you know choices, you know why they're in a suspense suspenseful movie there's a lot of cuts you know because yeah. it's fast and, yeah. and and there's a lot of close-ups and why in in a comedy there's more wi- it, there's more wide shots like those are things that i don't think you know a normal everyday person who just goes to the movies will think about they just experience it in 
whatever way they experience it. But that just kind of like opens my world in how I watch a certain genre and what to expect out of it, which I, you know, I kind of already sure had, but just, it's kind of like, Oh, I already knew that. But now that you're saying it out loud, Holy shit. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one of those things where as a filmmaker, you're trying to be very cognizant of how, what you're doing is going to emotionally impact the audience on levels that they don't understand. And why you're how you're creating these certain feelings in them, because the thing with comedy, too, and we've talked about this in things like uh, thrillers, but the key to a punchline is the surprise and it's being conflicted. It's tension and resolution. And so in comedy, you look for these little subtle ways to create tension. Uh, the poo scene is a good example of we're creating tension like, oh, man, how's he going to get out of this? And enter Lloyd and, and he's got these ulterior motives and that maybe gets a little extra laugh because you're looking to release some of this tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, no <laughs> and so, yeah, you look for all these interesting physical ways to make the audience uncomfortable, which kind of helps elicit a laugh because yeah. they may not necessarily even feel it. Like I don't always understand or feel whenever I'm, I've got tension in my shoulders. It just creeps up. And then I look up after half an hour and I'm like, wow, my, I need to relax my shoulders. I haven't been breathing deeply. I've been breathing into my chest. So I'm stressed out in all these ways. Why is that? And I think that happens in a movie. You get tense. You don't realize you're tense. Yeah. And it's all being, it's like subterfuge between the filmmaker and the viewer. Yeah. So the third question Ooh. and final. <laughs> I mean, maybe not final, but final with this series of questions that I have is why does a sequel not work? Sequels in general don't work. I Uh, think careful in general, in general, I'm not saying every sequel is bad. I'm saying it's really hard to do a follow up, particularly in comedy because we've already laughed at all those jokes. And if the, one of the core principles of comedy is tension and release, then we come in with all these expectations. You can't meet all these expectations. You can't, you can't do the same joke again and get the same laugh Yeah, because there's, there's no mystery. There's no, there's no surprise involved. Um, and so you don't think even with a, a really good story, it can. And here's where I think sequels would work better if people understood them. And that is, change the genre of the film yes maybe not entirely Uh you can still keep the overarching this is a comedy but the first time you had a road trip movie well maybe in a sequel i haven't seen the sequel to dumb and dumber so i don't know don't worry about it (laughs) i wasn't planning after hearing you roll your eyes at it i was like okay i'm good i'm not gonna watch that (laughs) well i'm sorry i I ruined it for you (laughs) (laughs) you saved me from it (laughs) whatever you read infinite jest even though you hated it yeah that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) you're like 100 pages into a 500 page book and you're like oh this is gonna suck don't finish it invert that it was like or double that it was like a thousand page book and i was probably like 600 pages in just 
hating it. Yeah, well, it's 50 pages in hating it, but waste of life. Yeah, but you have to change the genre. You can still keep it a comedy, but instead of road trip movie, maybe make it a heist movie. And now you get to explore some of these new dynamics of a, okay. a subgenre. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. now you have these two idiots who are once again thrust into something they are not <laughs> equipped to deal with. <laughs> Like if they couldn't handle just driving, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are they gonna handle you know robbers or whatever? Yeah, sure. Like there's there's so many other genres you could put them in. I don't know a, a courtroom drama and still probably get a lot of humor out of it. But I think you got to change the genre. I think that's one of the ways that Fast and Furious really began to work again. They kept doing this car racing thing and it was fun the first time. And then I didn't see all the sequels, but second, third, fourth, whatever. It was just this is terrible. And then they switched it to a heist movie or to a, whatever it was. Um, yeah. And now suddenly like, Oh, you're getting new blood, new life out of this thing. And now it's getting stale again. They need to do something new in cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe make it into a road trip movie. <laughs> <laughs> you just see that. Vin Diesel on a road trip. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. And so there's That made my night. I think that's why it does I think that's why sequels in general don't really work unless it's part of a bigger story that you were kind of planning on telling anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like the original Star Wars yeah. worked because you had this huge arc that really worked through it. Yeah. And it's not supposed to make you laugh. Like it's not a comedy on its face. I don't know. That's, well they tried to change uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go into it. Go, go listen. listen You're not to gonna our, bait me. Go listen. No, I just I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Just go watch, listen to the the mm, Star Wars vessel. Yeah. 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 Well, um, but it gives me a question. This movie. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about it, I was like, what would compel a man? Uh, here we go. To. <laughs> I'm just gonna back up. Just gonna, it's gonna chill. Please for don't. A while. Please don't. I, I need you for the first part of it, maybe. Okay. What would compel a man to chase a woman across the freaking country, Todd? That he doesn't even know. That he doesn't even know. Mm. I mean, they Are gave you us asking an excuse. Me the question? I really am. Like, I for on one sense, he was kind of doing this white knight thing, which gets a lot of mockery these days, and to some extent, very rightly so. Uh, not every woman needs a man to come along and save the day, fix the problem. That's fine. Um, but in his case, that was his excuse. Like, hey, I, I need to take this luggage back and return it. But really, that wasn't that wasn't really what he wanted, right? And he even says as much at the end when he, he faces her and he's like, Mary, I drove all this way just to see you. The least you can do is give me a straight answer, which is kind of problematic problematic uh on the one hand maybe maybe he's got a point he he returned her luggage even though that's all he returned he didn't return what was inside it (laughs) (laughs) there were ious in there man it's good as gold but it's money (laughs) (laughs) but she didn't deserve uh owe him anything right he made that decision to do that thing but this is where it gets a little interesting to me on the state of dating in america so you have, on the one hand, this kind of angry and upsetting look at uh, chauvinism, in a sense, or white knighting, this idea that men are more powerful and enter feminism, right? No, screw that. We're all equal, which is true. 
And that needs to be the world that we're living in. There's no argument for me on that. I, I hope no one's like expecting a plot twist where <laughs> suddenly Wes is like, no, get in the kitchen or whatever stupid yeah. things that men still say in some areas of the country. But <laughs> that begs the question, why is there still this standard in America where men are expected to do all the heavy lifting and dating? We're expected largely, and I'll not say this is an absolutism. It's not, but it's a really good generalism. (laughs) (laughs) Men are expected to approach. Men are expected to ask for the number. Men are expected to plan the date and expected to pay for the date. And I don't know. You're not really expected to go and pick a woman up anymore because murderers, but (laughs) like because murderers. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. But by and large, men are really expected to do all the heavy lifting. And and I get it. Rejection sucks. <laughs> because what's really at stake here is women don't want to be vulnerable. No, and, I mean, just a freaking let – me, let, let me tell you, nobody wants to be vulnerable. <laughs> no one wants to be rejected. Right. It's not fun. It's not a like endearing quality to deal with. But we do it anyway because – one, it's we we also are aware that if if we don't approach, odds are very very slim that we're not going to get approached at all. And that's I think that's kind of what leads to a Lloyd Christmas like going out of his way. And in his case, obviously, guys, this is like hyperbole. Yeah. If a guy travels cross country for a girl he spent five minutes in a car with. He's a psycho. Yeah. You are yeah, right to probably. ignore this guy. Um, that's obviously not what we're talking about. But but I do understand there's a lot of women out there who are frustrated with being, you know, hit on by skeezy guys, getting crotch shots in their text messages. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think part of that could be alleviated. Not all of it. This isn't like a panacea. But part of that could be alleviated by a little more equality in the dating setup. <laughs> Because we have to do everything, and how does well? Isn't there like on Bumble, the girl has to reach out, right? Yeah, which is awesome. Like I just recently switched to Bumble, so I'll set it up. I went over to our friend Joanna's house, and we were having uh, drinks while she was in town, and she was, I I just been dating, and I don't think she listens to this anymore so i really <laughs> hope <laughs> no, i don't have anything negative to say about that there was this girl i was seeing and i really liked her and for whatever reason whether she just didn't like me or she just got out of a relationship and maybe she wasn't in a place right now to you know take a relationship wherever to keep seeing someone in a serious manner she needed you know more casual stuff that's fine i don't know that's none of my business but i was over at joanna's house and i was like Man, you know what? I, <laughs> she was asking about her, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's all done, you know, blah blah blah." And she was like, "Well, you seeing anybody else?" I'm like, "No, honestly, I mean, I really didn't date last year. I went on like two dates last year because it's freaking exhausting. And one of those dates uh, was crazy, um, and <laughs> and in a really cool way. Like we oh, went, yeah, right. We went to uh, get some ramen, and we played like." 
card games at a, I don't know, a, a nerd castle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call them, like those little gaming stores where you just hang out all day. And I'm a nerd. I'm not like casting judgment. I am a nerd. If you, if you listen to this podcast, uh, I feel you like know. you should assume that. <laughs> yeah. But we sat and we hung out. You had ramen. And then at a certain point in the night, she was like, let's go to Mexico. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's go. Where can we go that won't take us, you know, 30 hours of driving? You got one of those a year. Yeah. <laughs> and we ended up not going because I dropped her off at her place to go get stuff. And I ran to, you know, pack a quick bag. And she was like, ah, oh, my friends talked me out of it because you might be a killer. I'm like, great. But for the record, this was your idea. Like, yeah, right. Was, I didn't come up with this unless I did some really cool Inception type shit <laughs> <laughs> while you went to the bathroom. It would have been awesome. You show me how. I know, right? That would be cool. I can finally get that $30 million to make a movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that was it. I mean, yeah. it was her and then this other girl I dated for several weeks, a uh, month, whatever, somewhere around there. And Joanna was like, dude. You're not gonna meet anybody that way. Like, you're not gonna you're not gonna find anybody. I'm like, well, shit, man. I'm yeah. I'm tired. Like, <laughs> you know how yeah. much work I have to go through every single time I want to go on a date. That shit's exhausting, yo. Yeah. And so she's like, well, jump on Bumble. I was like, oh, now I got a whole setup, a whole new profile. But whatever, I did it. Uh, jumped on Bumble, and I'm not gonna lie, it is kind of an impressive quality jump. In general, because like you were saying, on that app, women have to make the first new move. Like, if you're not aware of how dating apps work, because you're some jackass who met the love of their life, and you don't have to worry about dating anymore. <laughs> I feel like that's a jab at me. It's all of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just give you a quick rundown. On these apps, you do a thing where you... If you like the person, you're, you scan through their pictures and their profile, which a lot of people don't even put shit in their profile, which is a 90% Lazy. chance that I'm going to swipe left on you, which means uh, I'm turning it down like, ah, I don't, I'm not interested in this person. But if I swipe right and some girl looks at my blank profile and says, he doesn't look like a complete idiot, uh, I'll swipe right on him too. What happens then is we match, and on Tinder – it's crickets unless you're a guy and you decide to message a girl. But you can't just send a message, right? There's an expectation that there's thought put into the message. It has you can't just be, hey, what's up? Hi, Kathy. <laughs> like it's not that's not yeah. gonna work. No yeah. one's gonna respond to that. It has to be this really well thought out, like, oh hey, I see you're really into bees and <laughs> did you know you know the bee population is still really really high but it's but it's the wild bees that are dying off we have really and so you have to like create this this sense of intimacy Please tell me that was right a conversation you had, no, I've never had that. about bees oh my god please I did, and I even went through the trouble of like putting on a bee costume. To be oh like, yeah, you man. Really like no bees. wonder you're exhausted, love man. Love me, love me. <laughs> <laughs> but on Bumble, it's the exact opposite. Where as a guy, you're not allowed to send a message to the girl, so the girl gets to has to message you first, which is great because that means she actually really is interested in talking to you, and there's a really high percentage that y'all are going to have a conversation. And if the conversation goes well, I mean, at that point, it's usually still on the guy to be like, hey, you want to go out sometime? 
And but not even necessarily so. I feel like it's upsetting the apple cart a little bit. And I've had one girl be like, "Hey, you want to meet up? Let's meet up." Of course. By the by, <laughs> I also had one girl who decided to text me when we had not yet matched. <laughs> what? Yeah, chew through that for a second. So what happened? And this isn't the first time. Like I've had girls who have in IRL or in real life have tracked me down. Not on not like, oh, I, I met him on a dating uh, site, but like in real life saw me and liked what Papa was slinging. Which I'm using that. I'm so using that. Which I, and this will come full circle. Trust me. Um, I understand how some of this stuff is going to sound, but they've like lifted my name off of a receipt or off of a gym sign in and looked me up online, found my number and like called me and, or emailed me, um, out of the blue when I'm like, I have no idea who this person is. Now, how did you feel about that? If I'm honest. Yeah. I want you to be honest. Well, flattered. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> that is the reason that is the reason. Yeah. You know, it's right a, there. there's a physical because no woman element would no ever woman feel would safe. ever feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. About that. And not at all. Part of it is the physicality about it the the like like rarely are there female like mass murderers right you know like it's it's mostly men that do the the, the horrible stuff a right? hundred well, yeah maybe a hundred percent well but a high degree and it's most it's it's like yeah i mean if you wanted to speak stereotypically sure men are very visual mm-hmm and visual being very visual means that one one particular physical thing is going through their minds constantly all the time over and over and over again and female like women aren't as uh how do i say this i'm not saying all women but most women are not as as visual when it comes to the opposite sex or or being Mm -hmm. interested in some other person it's it's that's why you know a lot of you see a lot of like rarely will you see an older woman and a younger man like a considerably older woman and a considerably younger man most of the time it's going to be a considerably older man and a and a considerably younger woman right and there's a reason for that and it it's mostly because women see deeper and they need a little bit more out of whomever their partner is mm-hmm. not just I want to see you naked, yeah. which is 90% of what a man usually sees. And I'm gr- granted, I'm using generalities as well, uh, but it's, it's not the law. It's not the rule that everybody is. I, yeah. No, I agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And, and so I had no problem like being like, Oh, Hey, what's up? <laughs> we can talk. Uh, I mean, it's not to say I didn't have like a red flag up, Sure, but sure. I'm a, I'm a pretty easygoing person. There's a lot you got to do to to push the buttons that are going to be like, I'm never talking to that person. And so recently on Bumble, uh, while I was in Mexico last month, and I got a text and it reads, Wes, I know this is random, but I had crossed over your profile in Bumble and had to reach out to you. Have you found someone yet? My first thought reading this message is this is a matchmaker. 
who is getting paid by a client to find dates. Mm. Uh, so this is already a train wreck for me. <laughs> like, um, but, but why didn't she just message you on Bumble? I'm assuming we didn't match. Oh, gotcha. I, so to be completely transparent, I swipe left way more than I swipe right because I want to, I don't like going through that process. And the more I can mitigate the, the shitty outcomes <laughs> because sure. I've, been on so many dates that at a certain point you're like you know what i'm good i don't need to just see what's out there i'm i want to narrow in on is this person interesting do they have any intellectual capacity and obviously yeah am i attracted to them and so if i see your profile and maybe it's a little too negative i'm like maybe she's being just being honest and she's actually a really kind sweet easygoing person but at the first sign of negativity i'm like i'm good I'm like yeah there's room for fighting later on <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so much room. And so I, pro- I was like, this is what I said. Hi stranger. Random. Indeed. I am single new consciousness. Who dis? And she was like, yeah, I was hoping you still were. This is Alex. I wanted to reach out to you because I loved and related to your profile saying beauty starts with the brain and you enjoy deep conversations and it's something so rare to find. And with that, she sent me a screenshot of her profile and I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember her. She is super cute. And I think she had one of these lines in in her profile that I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'll just, it's easier to swipe left than to go through shutting someone out. Because I know rejection sucks, but it's not fun rejecting someone either. And so I sent a response, crickets. I didn't hear anything back for almost two weeks. (laughs) What? And I ended. My my last text on a question, it was like, you know, what kind of adventures are you going on today? Because in her profile, she talks about going on adventures and she doesn't respond to that at all. Like she comes back almost two weeks later and says, would you like to meet up for coffee or a walk sometime this week? <laughs> like, I didn't respond. I'm not going to respond. Yeah, like, that's, no, that's ridiculous. I feel you go like, through all that trouble to find you. Because what she had to do is Google my, my production company, which is on my profile. I, I can't like not yeah. have it on there. Yeah. And from there, she looked up my my website and found my phone number off the website and then texted me. So it was like a several-step process. I mean, not the hardest thing in the world, granted, but it's it's effort. (laughs) Yeah. It's a gamble. Yeah. But why go through all the effort if you're not just going to maintain a normal conversation? You got to know that there's there's a red flag put on you. Just because you're cute doesn't mean like you get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> At least not in my book. Like beauty is the barrier to entry, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I understand at the same time I started this rant with guys got to do all the work, and now I'm talking about women. Girls doing the work. <laughs> yeah. Because to be completely honest, most of my life. I have been the recipient of like women hitting on me and that's how most of my, uh, if you want to call them relationships, you know, began was someone hit on me and I was responsive to it Lucky, because I am that, that shy and I'm that oh, introverted okay. that it's got to be really obvious if I'm going to pick up on a cue. But at the same time, at, I'm at that point now where I'm like, why I don't want to wait. If there's someone that I want to talk to, I want to, I want to figure that out. And it's really hard as a director because if I'm on set, any attractive women I meet, 99% 
chance i'm not going to try to talk to him i'm not going to oh, hit no, on right. him that yeah, there's a power okay. dynamic that's in play yeah and so i kind of have to resort to either someone's going to approach me or i'm going to have to go to a dating app or i'm going to start picking up random chicks in a bar and that's that's not fun i've i've yeah no desire to yeah to make that a part of my lifestyle because i'm not big on bars i want to go and have if I go to a bar, I want to go with like you and have a real conversation. Yeah, right. I don't want to play 20 questions of get to know someone that has a boyfriend anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and plus, you're in a bar. It's not normally the the best place to, yeah. to meet the, somebody that you might you know, want to spend the rest of your life with. Not uh, obviously that it happens, but sure. And it still happens that I'm, I may date someone that I meet on set. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard because they do have to be a little bit more forthcoming. Yeah. And well, I think that's that's changing. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways. You know, like 20 years ago, no way. Mm-hmm. No way. Like maybe in high school. But we do need to see change where it's it's more acceptable for yeah, definitely in high school, uh, where it's more acceptable for for women to approach and get rejected. Because I would say almost every time someone uh, a woman's approached me. I've been open-minded, even if on the outset I wasn't necessarily attracted to him. Yeah. I had this girl in a coffee shop drop me a note a year or two ago that was like, hi, you're cute. Here's my number. And felt great for the rest of the day. I texted her, and we went out, and she talked in a movie. So that <laughs> oh, are you kidding? That ended things really wow. quick. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Not just any movie. It ended up being my favorite movie of the year, which was Room. So this is a few oh, years ago. How do you talk in that movie? Can't even breathe in that movie. We met beforehand. It wasn't like this is our only chance to, that we're gonna have to talk and get to know each other. Like oh. we met like an hour beforehand, and I would have hung out an hour after. <laughs> but not if you're gonna talk through room. Ahab. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Anyway, um, so I can understand how yeah. some of these situations come out where uh, there's confusion, there's mixed feelings, because if you go on a date today, you're still largely expected to pick up the check. And well, okay, so there, there's a couple of things I will say. Okay. Um, one is that I agree. Um, I, I you know before I met my wife and and we got married, I, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. But like, why do I always have to be the one to to d- initiate something or to to say something or to say that I hey I like you or whatever I, or to pay? But one, I think it's changing a little bit, and I think um, that uh, that's a good thing. But I don't think it's ever going to be like it is man, man to a woman. Yeah, it, no, and I, it shouldn't be. I agree, and. I'm not saying there's not even advantages to the way things are right now because yeah, sure. the cool thing is if I do see someone out at an event um, or even at a bar and I approach them, that's sexy. I don't care who you are. Someone takes the confidence to walk up to you and introduce themselves and they start talking to you. That's an advantage point because you're demonstrating a, an attractive trait, which is confidence. Yeah. And it might take some practice for you to get good at it, but that's a really great thing. That's a good first step to uh, seeing if there's any potential there and being an attractive human being. Um, but if you if you set up if you set up how like like details about what it's going to be like to go out with you with the person, 
Mm, sure. You know, like then then you don't really have those issues. If you set up the, the you say in your conversations, I always go Dutch my first time on my first date. Then go Dutch. You know that that that's just how you do it. That's how you roll. If it's exhausting, if you say, if, then you say, you pick where you want to go. You know, and or or you give her you give her the choice. You say you say, yeah, I'll pick where I where we can go, but we go Dutch. Or you can pick where you want to go, and I'll pay for you. That's dangerous. You know, it's very dangerous. But the cool thing is, is that if she likes you, then she'll make the choice. Mm. You know, you just set up like, how do you want this to be? How, what's the least painful? So, so say, say you're looking at somebody on Bumble and you're 50, 50, it's right or left. Right. But you decide, ah, whatever, I'm going to swipe right and just see like, and try this, try like, okay. You know on, what I'm saying? <laughs> on something that I'm not as interested in. Right. Right. That, that, that you would normally, because it would be a pain in the ass, uh, to to like oh I gotta pick where we're gonna go I gotta pay for it we're gonna, whatever set up the easiest night you possibly could and that you're gonna go Dutch and swipe right and see what happens and that's also gonna be my pitch to her like yeah exactly hey, guess what I swiped right because I was like because <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy I wasn't really feeling you that much but I was like you no, can be a throwaway I mean, I mean the point being is that whatever is gonna I think that whatever would make you swipe right a little bit more, that's what you try. Because either that or you're not going to swipe right and d- nothing happens anyway. That's true. So, mm. so, and then the other thing, well, and then the other thing okay. is that if you swipe, if you swipe right and then it doesn't work out because they, because of them, you know, well, you're used to that. <laughs> right it's I'm like numb. yeah you're numb right it's not it's not it's whatever and you and you were gonna swipe left anyway you know and i know it's easier said than done i, no, I mean it, honestly it's not that big a deal at this point because i am a little numb to it and yeah. and cynical and jaded you can sure. certainly use all that that's not to say i'm at at the end of the day i'm still a hopeless romantic so there's sure. really no getting rid of that either but yeah, I don't. I mean, I've, I've just accepted the the fate of the world at this point. Yeah. That this is the 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 status quo that we're in, and I what I need to do because I was raised in the South and a small town South at that. I, I am so used saying. to even if someone, I've had women offer to go Dutch on a first date, uh, second date, third date, and it's hard for me to do. And it's not just with women. If I go out with friends, oh yeah, yeah, it's still hard. Yeah. Just ask, I mean, with you, I do that, and uh, we do that back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do that with Joe, our buddy Joe. Like, we go out, you know, pretty frequently, and we're constantly trying to get the bill first. And it's just a part of, you know, I don't know, good people, I think, yeah. first of all. But especially being a guy raised in the South in the Bible Belt, going on dates, especially a first date. I mean, I've dated women where they almost never paid for anything. And... I never was like angry or bitter about that. No, I'm still yeah. not. I don't. That doesn't upset me. You know what does upset me? I, <laughs> I had a girl one time. We went on a date, and we went to uh, like this happy hour sushi place and got some food. It was great. Had a great time. We were just dying laughing the whole time. I don't know. A few days later, we were texting. I was like, "Hey, so you know, what's up for round two? You wanna you wanna go somewhere and?" Uh, she literally texts, honestly, I'm just too busy right now. I don't have time for second dates. 
Wow. What that really meant was... I wanted a free dinner. Yeah. Dude. Oh, no. And she works in production, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be working on a production I'm I'm working on pretty soon coming up. What? Yeah. I'm not like... I'm not a vindictive person, so it's not like I'm going to do anything, but... You should. (laughs) She wouldn't even remember, but here's the thing. She was a super cute girl, uh, and I doubt I was like the first person... That's dude. That's horrible. Yeah, that's where you get into. And I know male and female alike are listening to this and be like, "Well, that's just a shitty person." Look, yeah, and yeah, you're and, right. And, and women, and, uh, women can do this though. Women can set up expectations for a date, and that's okay. Why can't you? I mean, be the sea change you want to see. No, that, that, and that's where I think you're right. Is you know? if I am frustrated by a thing, even if it's just mildly, like sure. I'm not. Like tossing and turning at night over this. No, I get it. I um, get it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I could just be like, well, well you, you can't. You, don't you really to, can't all the way. Yeah, not because, all the way. Yeah. No, yeah, you, you just say. You just say. You, you know, look. Because I, even at the so the last uh, woman I was dating, um, I would give her space. I would try to give her space to text me first or make a physical move like you know she can hold my hand first or whatever uh i would try to create this space and nothing happened yeah and on the outside i'm like i'm not even entirely sure she likes me and then come to find out like she she really did like me and we had a lot of really great times and going out and we made stuff together it was fantastic but i tried to create that space to give someone an opportunity to go first but it's scary, man. That's scary. Yeah. It's scary for everybody, though. When and so when it's right, dude, it's easy. It is. I mean, it gets hard. <laughs> it gets hard later. So it's it's inverted. <laughs> it starts easy. It starts easy, and then it gets hard. Yeah, yeah. And and f man, if it's hard at first, gone. If it is hard, it should not be part of your life. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, it's not worth it if it's already hard. No, that's a really great point. I mean, because you don't even know the person and it's hard. Right. Until you really know the person. And then when it's hard, at least you know the person. Yeah. I mean, I also think I'm probably just a difficult human being. Like, I don't, I'm not a high maintenance person per se, but if you do all the things that rub me the wrong way, then I do become to you a very high maintenance yeah, person. Yeah, but that's hard. Yeah. The, the right person isn't going to do that, hmm, at okay. least not at first. Then they might end up doing that, but you can have the conversation with them then, and then they'll try to change. Yeah. And that's, but you know that they'll try to change by having that conversation with them. Whereas, whereas if you have that conversation with them and later on and they don't change, like, yeah. And you know what? That's the funny thing too, is, uh, I don't like to ask things of people. Because if I, if I do ask something of them, or if I don't ask something and they don't do the thing, there's nothing lost. There was no expectation really anyway. But if you do ask something of someone and they don't do it, now it feels like, oh, you're just like... Like what? You're just... Give me an example of that. I, if I say... Uh, I mean, okay, let's just go like really yeah, on the extreme grain, Yeah, granny. Just for the yeah. point being made. If I say, gosh, every time I want to have sex, I have to initiate sex, um, you know, it would really be helpful to me if sometimes you initiated. That way, whenever I, you know, get turned down or whatever, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's just another night and it's fine. Um, I'll, I'll know whenever you're ready later on. 
Um, and then they just never, and then you go like, whatever, six weeks without sex. And you're like, I guess she just doesn't want me. Like, you know, that would be the kind of thing that could really backfire and make you feel horrible. Um, and like, this is, this is even worse than I thought. <laughs> and that, and that is just to be clear, that has never happened to me, but that's just that kind of thing. You know, you ask for a thing and then that thing doesn't happen becomes an extra point of disappointment, but that's yeah. life. You deal with it. I'm, by I hope that, people are understanding like this isn't really what's like having by that time them. you know the person so well. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Exactly. But but if that's at the beginning. Yeah. Right, different. right. No, that's that's it's a different. big pain in the ass. And that's just the reality of dating, especially in twenty six or God. Twenty eighteen, bro. Twenty eighteen too. Um is that there are so many options. Yeah. I mean, if if Lloyd and Harry had more options than Mary or Freda Felcher <laughs> <laughs> they would have probably yeah. been way better off. They did at the end of the movie. Beth? They had no, the the bus. Oh my god. <laughs> of a Swedish bikini <laughs> team. I mean, come on. And that was a good segue back to the actual film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was nice. But, you know, today I think it is a little overwhelming because it's the idea of you go to Blockbuster, right? And or if you open up Netflix, Ah, what I want to watch, and you spend all this time because you have so many choices, it gets a little exhausting, and that's right. kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. I deal with this too. It's not like I'm saying I'm a victim here. I'm not. I'm on some levels a part of the problem, but I do try to kick against that and to be present and to be mindful mm-hmm. that the person I'm looking at right now is a human being. The person I'm talking to is a human being. If I don't want to speak to them anymore, I'm not going to ghost them, which, yeah, yeah. If, again, if you're yeah. one of these jerks who met the love of your life and you're not in the dating scene (laughs) ghosting just means that you cold turkey stop talking to someone yeah and there's differing levels if mary had ghosted lloyd in this film that wouldn't be ghosting (laughs) that was just some random dude she talked to once yeah right that 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 becomes ghosting um but whenever you're establishing something you have plans or whatever at a certain point it becomes expected that you'll get a response out of a human Mm -hmm. i try to be respectful of that like hey i had a really great time but in whatever specific pointed reason i can give them like i'm not interested anymore and that's okay like i think you're great and i know that doesn't help and it sounds condescending but (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's just a respectful closure that you give people because that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people out there and you don't want to create. If you imagine that the person you're talking to right now is going to be someone else's love and that your love was someone else's rejection. Mm -hmm. Pass it on. Yeah. Give that other person the kind of, I don't know, experience or respect yeah the respect man that helps them you know move along just be think of it yeah there's a saying that different joanna i have a lot of joannas in my life (laughs) (laughs) all good all good that she taught me that i've just really held on to for so long uh for good 10 15 years now that you don't know what someone else is going through so treat everybody like they have a broken heart Hmm. i don't necessarily do that in traffic But everywhere else, I'm pretty good about like... Who's like, oh, bless you. (laughs) You May God have mercy on you. (laughs) No, you're like, F you, you son of a... (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think that was one of the amazing things that took place in Dumb and Dumber was Mary gave so much more respect and awe than maybe Lloyd really deserved. Mm -hmm. And you see that moment where she realizes, you drove all that way just for me. And she respected it. She didn't have to. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I thought that was really cool because they really give her a moment in the movie of watching her take this information in. And you can just see her heart melt a little bit because even though this guy is a million to one shot, which is a zero percent shot. Well, I I was tender. Yeah. And just really quick, uh, because we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I also think that to your point about about being overwhelmed with choices um, makes it harder to make a choice. It also makes minimizes the actual interaction mm-hmm. because you could always have another. So, you know, pre-internet dating, if you met someone, you took that seriously because you didn't know when the next time you would meet someone that you were attracted to uh, that gave you a response would be. Now it's just oh I'm just going to go back on a Tinder and swipe right or swipe left or whatever and hope you know and I'll find a match soon enough, but so that leads that leads to your point you just made of these people and they're not just it's not just a picture of someone and uh, you know like this 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 ones and zeros um, a profile like no that's attached to a human being. But it's it's hard to even if you still see that as a human being, it's really hard to it's really hard to give the weight of that interaction. It's hard to give it its proper weight, is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. Like if you met, if you just if there was no internet dating and you met someone in a bar, that's like it's heavy. Like yeah. that's a real moment that could be a life changing experience. Now it's it doesn't really. So much interaction. I mean, I'm speaking as someone who's been married for you know eight years, so I, it's it's different. I know, but there was internet dating before mm-hmm. I was married, yeah. and and I did it, and it was, you know, it was just different and not not worse. I just think that, um, yeah, like I said, it it could be. I think that if everyone gave it a little bit more weight, it would be a, a lot. A lot better, probably a lot more successful too, honestly. Because half the time when I was dating, half the time I was looking for somebody. I, I mean, a hundred percent of the time when I was looking for somebody, I didn't find anybody. Yeah. Or if I found somebody, it was the wrong person. Yeah, in general, just the mindset in in life. It doesn't matter really which area, whether you're talking about your job, your love life, mm. um, your house. You're always thinking about, can I do better? Can I get something else that's mm. even better? That's just a I don't know, pretty human element. Yeah. Um, and today's technology probably exacerbates it <laughs> to a great degree. But all that said, don't try to set me up with your friends, people. <laughs> I'm oh, good. I know this great dude. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm good. I promise. Everything is <laughs> A-OK in Wes's love life. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Noted. Thanks. That was just a fun conversation. I had this whole other thing in my head earlier today and i didn't write any of it down so good the really good rant didn't really hey, you come know out. me i don't like writing things down yeah just off the cuff brother terrible that's how you feel yeah that's how you feel and that's how it came out and i'm glad <laughs> this is going to be the greatest episode we've ever done don't edit any of it uh, it's just in 
I'll tighten it. <laughs> Have to. All right. Well, what are we um, What are we going to do next week? So tune in next week. We're going to keep it light again with the animated hit film from Disney, Pixar, which I don't know, Moana. <laughs> We're doing Moana. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, this yeah. will be our first animated film. Uh, maybe we can... Get a soundbite from one of our art art buddies. Oh yeah, um, that would be really fun. Awesome. There, we know one person who's well. We have known multiple people, but we know one person who works for like a a game company in Atlanta. Justin mm-hmm. and his wife Alyssa mm-hmm. are both amazing artists, and I think Justin even got to work on like Castlevania on Netflix, the animated show. Oh. And he takes, and I love it because I obviously. Identify with this, but he takes his job so seriously and the art behind animation so seriously that he, I've asked him before and he's like, no, 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 I don't know enough. I don't, I couldn't possibly speak to it. (laughs) I get it. I'm not a DP either. It's like, I get it. I understand, but maybe just give us we'll, we'll we'll drag him on. You know something? <laughs> yeah, I know his wife. Yeah, we, if we can get her on board, then we'll, she'll make him on board. Yes, which yeah. I was texting with her this morning, so Good. maybe I can transition into getting him on. Yeah, sweet man. If you want to make a comment on this episode, you can do so. Minus the dating yeah. stuff. No, you can oh, weigh man. in. It's no, fine. You we'll can let weigh people in. weigh in. I assume. I, I mean, you can't not let them. You really can't. And well, that's true. I can't. But it's also probably just hard because I'm sure I articulated something very poorly that people are going to be frustrated by, and that's okay. You can, you know, say what you have to say politely, if possible, <laughs> <laughs> at the yeah. slash dumb and dumber. Please subscribe if you're not subscribed on iTunes and drop us a review. They've actually made it so much easier with the with the podcast update. Yeah. And now if you just go to our show page, uh, if you scroll down towards the bottom, it'll say rate and review. Oh man. So just, the more the more you review us, the the more people will listen. Yes. The more uh, we can do this. Yes. As, as often as possible because we love talking about movies and 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 let us know what movies you want us to to review and talk about and and kind of dive deeper into because uh, we're i mean we pick movies that we like that we don't like we just you know kind of go off the cuff of like yeah hey, let's do this movie this week but we really like you guys uh guiding us in that direction totally and we've done several that y'all have thrown out to us and yeah and it, they've been awesome been great episodes yeah there have been some where i've been like oh man we're gonna do that and they turned out awesome <laughs> yeah it's not really great absolutely so please yeah let us know do what that. you want us to do and if you already haven't you know reviewed us then review us and if maybe you can borrow your wife's phone or your husband's phone like review us on there too <laughs> <laughs> sneak it in yeah <laughs> awesome uh, oh and yeah. your, i wanted to give a shout out yeah to Luis Moreno for being the very first person to like our new Facebook page Ooh. at facebook.com slash thepestle. Good job, Luis. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I think this is a military guy. So Awesome. So what's your recommendation of the week? <laughs> My recommendation is Maria Full of Grace. It's, uh, it's another kind of road trip movie of a different type. Super dramatic. It's an HBO film, I believe. So if you have HBO streaming, then you can watch it there. Awesome. But it's an excellent film. It's subtitled Spanish film, technically a Mexican film, I believe. But excellent movie. Keep you on the edge of your seat. Sweet. Do it. Awesome. 
Uh, I'm going to recommend another comedy, The Big Sick, Ooh. which uh, um, was up for a couple Oscars or one Oscar or something like that uh, last night. And and I really loved it. Uh, it's uh, What's his name? Uh, Nanjiani. Oh, uh, Camille Nanjiani. Camille, yeah, yeah, yeah Nanjiani. I uh, wrote it and uh, stars in it, and it's it's just really smart comedy. It's like it's a dramedy, I guess. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of drama in it, and it, it hits the hits the feels, man. Hits the feels, and it's Indeed. but it's hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's a a non-white dude in a lead role and in a I, lead love role lead love role it's just so good at breaking down walls and barriers uh so anyway yeah that's what i'm gonna recommend awesome yeah so why don't you read the quote of the day today today's quote of the day is from andy kaufman it's gotta be good and it goes pure entertainment is not an egotistical lady singing boring songs on stage for two hours and people in tuxes clapping whether they like it or not it's the real performers on the street who can hold people's attention and keep them from walking away. Mm. That's pure entertainment. I love that. For one, the tie-in between Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey uh, is magical. But I also love the the reality of it, like just because – Comedies get a really bad rap at the at the Oscars, you know, that we just had yesterday. uh, yesterday. And it sucks because comedies – even though this one I've already lambasted as being, you know, complete garbage without Jim Carrey, uh, which is true. Not all comedies need a great cast. Like there's a lot of movies that work on their own without great actors, without A-list actors. Uh, I mean, you can look at something like Slumdog Millionaire and say, wow, this is a magical movie and I've never heard of any of these actors before. And so a great entertaining film can come in the place of of a comedy uh and people kind of forget because hollywood tends to be a little bit more oh the shape of water which i wasn't a huge fan of i mean i know it's really loved obviously it won an oscar but it pays so much homage to hollywood i think it loves it more than it does something like a big sick the big sick probably should have been nominated for best picture i don't know if it was or not Mm -hmm. um but it should have been it deserved that that acknowledgement of it was fantastically written and directed. It was unique and specific. And that's, at the end of the day, what I think makes for is one step towards a really great movie. Pure entertainment. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've been caught just staring at, at street performers for 15, 20 minutes. Not being able to walk away. Not, yeah. You know, or like needing to walk away and being upset that I have to. It's a lot different than buying a ticket, sitting in a seat, waiting for the performance to end, and then leaving. You're kind of tied in once you buy that that ticket to to do that yeah. in a, in a way. And granted, yeah, you know, maybe those street performers they'll do it for a dollar or for nothing if you don't you don't need to tip them. But it, there's just something about, I mean, everything today is about attention, right? Every everyone is trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Everything is yep. trying to get your attention. Uh, I mean, you look at any kind of social media app, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's all built around keeping and maintaining attention, which means time on the platform. And but to be able to snatch that from people by just per, just performing, doing what you do well, that's. 
Yeah, I, that makes sense. It's pretty cool. That's pure entertainment for sure. Good old Andy. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, it's been it's been a long one. Yeah, surprisingly, I, we could have ended it at forty minutes. Oh, my. I don't even want to ask how long. Yeah, it's forty-five. Uh, forty. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, if you've made it this far, kudos to you, and thank you for staying with us. Um, please remember uh, to review and uh, and rate us. Uh, every little bit helps. And join us next week when we do Moana. Uh, we think we're going to enjoy that, too. Uh, so from Todd and Wes, until next week, go watch the movies.